guys, welcome to episode 3 of Records Near Me. This time we're headed to Music City, and today we're checking out Grimey's new and pre-loved music in Nashville, Tennessee. Grimey's has moved around a bit since its opening at the turn of the century, but it's currently located at 160 East Trinity Lane. And I sat down and talked with the co-owner, Doyle Davis, all about the vinyl record industry. He's very passionate about what he does, so you guys are really in for a treat. And if you haven't been to Nashville before, I highly recommend going with a group of your rowdiest friends, and it'll be a great time. And there's music coming from every direction, so what can be better than that? Just don't forget to stop by Grimey's on your way out for a souvenir. Now, I'm making this intro shorter than usual, and that's just because Doyle had a lot of really interesting things to say. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get on into the show. Records near me, let's go and see what lies behind a record store's mind if you're lost, get found, take in the sound, it's the place to go when you're feeling low. So, if you don't mind, I'll share what we find, I'll make a podcast. So all this will last if you're lost, get found. Take in the sound, it's the place to go. So let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Records Near Me. Today I'm joined by Doyle Davis, co-owner of Grimey's New and Pre-Loved Music right here in Nashville, Tennessee. So, how are you doing this morning? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Productive, feeling productive. Okay, that's good. That's a good start to the <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah. Grimey's first opened in 1999. When did you officially join as co-owner? Uh, yeah, Mike Grimes, uh, founder of Grimey's, mm-hmm. and I guess the namesake, uh, opened in December of 99. I came on board in May of 2002. Okay. So Mike had convinced me to, to quit my job as general manager of The Great Escape, which is kind of a mom and pop okay. used record store and comic book shop. Okay. Yeah, my job had gotten kind of stale there. I really enjoyed managing a store for them and doing the hiring and sort of, you know, mentoring and I was in charge of the used record department and all the collectibles, and I was the, the vinyl expert and all that stuff. Uh, and once okay. I got into upper level management, and I was sort of managing the managers, I didn't I didn't dig it so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. And Mike had just opened up Grimey's. We were longtime friends, so I was, you know, stopping by to to check out his store, but also just to sort of hang out and bitch about my job. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Uh, at the same time, Mike had gotten uh, ambitions to open a live music venue, a bar, mm-hmm. and he opened the Slow Bar okay. uh, around the, the early 2000s. And, you know, that had become his main primary focus, and he was thinking maybe of even closing Grimey's. Or the other solution is find somebody else to help him out and run the store. So that was his yeah. big ideas, convinced me to quit my job. I bought half of the business. Wow, I'm really glad that ended up working out. <laughs> it was it was the smartest thing I ever did, to be honest with you. It felt like a pretty crazy leap at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the height of the Napster era. Uh, CD sales were going down. Mm-hmm. Vinyl uh, had not yet resurged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but we sort of like we we banked on vinyl from the get go. 
And, uh, you know, I traveled, I knew lots of people who traveled to other cities. We'd go to Louisville to hit Ear Ecstasy. We'd go down to Atlanta and hit Criminal and Wax and Facts and, um, you know, even to Athens, uh, you know, out yeah. there. And um, we thought, well, if we had something like that in Nashville and we could do the vinyl thing, and there was not really an independent record store otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, sort of a, you know, if we build it, they will come kind of concept. We had no market research. We had, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, basically uh, just sort of wing and a prayer, and we didn't have much money, but we grew it in baby steps, and it's you know, all the way to where it is now. That's awesome. Yeah. Demand is up so, so much that it's hard for the labels and the pressing plants to make enough records to meet demand. In fact, they can't. Wow. Yeah. Uh, demand is, is way above Same. capacity right now, so... Um, the industry tends to favor pressing new releases over catalog, but it's interesting, you know, for years those were the titles that sold the biggest when you look at the year-end numbers of what were the best-selling vinyl, I mean, right up until just a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was, you know, Abbey Road, it was all these um, sort of classic rock titles, you know, rumors, all that kind of stuff. And now, if you look at the best-selling titles from like the last year, it's Harry Styles, it's Kendrick Lamar, it's Billie Eilish. That is so wild. It, well, it's great news. It's proof that the audience is more diverse and younger, right? Yeah. Definitely. So that's great for the future of, of this uh, business, this format, you know? Yeah, um, that is great. You know, I remember those days. I'm an old guy, so... <laughs> I mean, I always bought way more records than my friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was buying new records every week. And to yeah. the record store on Tuesday, which was the release day then, uh, I needed to know everything that was out, you know, even if I wasn't necessarily going to buy it, I wanted to know yeah. all the stuff. And but most people bought three to five records a year, if that. That wow. was that was the average, if you look. And I definitely so, buy more than that. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> oh and you don't have to. You could listen to them all on Spotify or Apple I Music. Could. <laughs> and you couldn't even do that back then. Yeah. People just listened wow. to the radio and waited for their song to come on. Yeah. You know. Really that seems crazy now, about. but that was the world. And and you bought records because that's what music came on. You weren't necessarily a collector or building a collection or any of that. You yeah. were just like, hey, I really love that song or I love that album. And you bought the record so you could play it on demand. Yeah. Well, the, the habit now is totally different. People walk into the record store. They've already listened to the record. They know the record. And they've decided they like it enough that they want to own a physical copy. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, it's a whole different thing, different but. experience now, yeah. <laughs> and it sort of turns, you know, the logic on its head. You, you think demand would be down because you don't need to buy the record. Ah, it's the opposite. So what is yeah. it about this thing? You know, it's, it's magic. It <laughs> Everything magic. that was magic about vinyl uh, in the beginning and like when I was a kid growing up, it's all still there. The experience itself is obviously of value to. To humans, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we like tangible things. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful little heart piece of vinyl yeah. record album. It's got that 12 by 12 canvas. Uh, two sides. I love vinyl sequencing. Now you get two yeah. cracks at an opening track, two cracks at a closing track. Mm -hmm. You can make each side sort of have its own vibe. And, um, you know, they're about 20 minutes. A piece that just happens to sort of jive with the human attention span and then you Everything. get that little pause that refreshes you get up you flip the record you drop the needle again now you're sort yeah. of like ready to dig yeah um sorry if i got off track no no i worries. could talk about vinyl all day i long. love to hear it i could <laughs> say <laughs> but um so 
In 2010, Rolling Stone named you guys one of the best record stores in America. I just want to know why you think Grimey's is one of the best record stores in America. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it is, you know, it's our vibe. Yeah, we've got yeah. a really broad and deep selection to, you know, um, it, we're, we're, we're fairly big at this point. We've grown to, you know, the space here is 4,500 square feet. So we've got a lot of metal records and electronic records and ambient records and Brazilian records and you know in addition to the rock the pop the country the funk the soul the R&B the jazz the obvious genres you know there's a lot here and uh and and pretty good used records too we do tons of events you know the number of bands that have played at Grimey's we yeah you know during um non-pandemic times we're probably we're averaging three shows a week wow yeah i mean there's some months where we did you know 12 15 in-store shows in a month that's that's a bit much but uh it helped us build that reputation grammy's is known as a very community oriented um space a very welcoming you know safe space if you will for everyone anyone um and it's fun you know i mean we do we try to do fun stuff we had for years we had beer 30 on saturdays you um you know it's a pretty cheap investment to <laughs> to have a cool hang and you yeah. know people are here drinking beer uh talking to each other we're playing records for them you know they're gonna buy some you know my, yeah. my, my partner uh grimy would say yeah hell, it loosens up your wallet you know <laughs> or loosens up your credit oh card but uh it's also fun right and so <laughs> And we've always tried to make the space really cool to be in. You yeah. know, people loved our last location. I think this one is is the bomb, the old church yeah, building. This is your third location, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, um, the second location was above the basement, the basement right? Yeah, which is um, still there. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that? And- that was sort of putting the old Grimey's model back together in yeah. the same space. You know, I told you that. Uh, when we moved Grimey's into the space on 8th Avenue, there was a club below it called The Basement. Okay. It was being run and booked by the owner of the building, who's mm-hmm. our landlord. So we took the Grimey's space on the main floor. And I don't know, within about a year, Mike had started promoting shows downstairs, basically renting the room yeah. from Steve, our landlord, and being a promoter and putting some bands in there and running the show. And, uh, you know, once we'd done that a few times, got designs on, he got designs on making that an actual club. Mike got him a new business partner uh, that really knew how to run a bar, a guy who had a lot of experience. Nice. Um, And, you know, that's that's sort of Mike's entrepreneurial genius, if you will, you know? He was running Grimey's, but, uh, you know, he got somebody, me, Mm -hmm. who had run a record store before and knew how to do it. And so, you know, it was easy for me to step in take over that aspect so he's he took over the basement they leased it and now it was their club and you know just started having all these wonderful things happen you know we had metallica play down there yeah and that was a grimy's event in the basement mm-hmm. um, i remember one day we were just you know working doing our thing like on a tuesday or whatever and uh mike had allowed uh emmy lou harris to do some rehearsals before she went out on tour with her band mm-hmm. so all day long emmy lou's band's playing down below wow. us coming through the floor you know <laughs> and, uh, just all kinds of cool stuff like oh. that um such a cool job <laughs> yeah yeah so the synergy there was great yeah we had the record store we had a club below us mm-hmm. uh we had a very dynamic uh, music company called 30 tigers above us for years 
Yeah, so uh, Jason Isbell's manager, Tracy Thomas, was on the top floor. Mm-hmm. So we had all these artists coming and going, and, you know, uh, there was even an article in the Tennessean, and there was like, is, is 1604 the new Brill building here in Nashville? You know, so it, we always felt it was magical. We hated to leave that space, but yeah. we, were, we were forced to. Okay, okay. Well, so now you guys are here on East Trinity Lane, mm-hmm. right? And you guys have a bookstore in your basement. Yeah. Now. <laughs> well, we started the bookstore while we were still over on 8th. Okay. As the business expanded and grew and grew above the mm-hmm. basement, we ran out of room. Again, we had moved there because our yeah. original spot was too small. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, oh, geez, you know, I mean, the records are just piled up on the floor. We can't file them all away. And we expanded by moving into the building next door. We put all of our pre-loved merchandise, and so we call our used and collectible stuff. We put all our pre-loved merchandise over there, and we opened a bookstore uh, called Howlin' Books okay. at the time. It had its own brand, and they had a logo on our sign. And uh, the, the bookstore was run by my uh, business manager, Jessica Kimbrough. And she had a partner in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. And so they've been looking for some retail space anyway. This seemed perfect. Like, we've got this big space. Yeah. It's more than we need just for our expanded record store. Mm-hmm. So they did the bookstore. After about a year of doing that, I don't know, things had, had evolved. And basically, Grimey's, we just bought the bookstore from, yeah. from them. Okay. And it became our little store. Okay. So while we were still over there and we had Howlin' Books on the sign and everything, of course, we kept that name. But when we moved over here, we made a really nice space in this uh, in this uh, sunlight basement, the downstairs part of Grimey's. Yeah. And we built the bookstore here, and now it's just the bookstore at Grimey's. Um, All right. Of course, we uh, specialized in music books, but we started carrying mm-hmm. everything, you know, yeah. from uh, nonfiction, fiction, poetry, you know, all that stuff. Um, lots of kids' books. We went deep into kids' books, especially when my store managers started having children. Um, but we still sell tons of music books. I think we have the biggest selection in town. Wow. And especially yeah, over that's... here on Trinity now, we've really got a, sort of a neighborhood clientele. We are the bookstore for this area. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot more people who live close enough to walk and bike here. When we were on 8th Avenue, we were pretty much strictly a destination. Yeah, um, you okay. know, not, not many people walked or biked to the shop. It was cars. So okay. over so here, say, we got people walking by all the time. And, yeah. you know. You get more locals here then? We get more locals, yes. Okay. Do you still get a lot of tourists? We though? get a lot. Tourists, uh, we see on the weekends. Okay. Definitely Saturdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were closed on Sundays for um, almost all of the pandemic. Getting back open on a Sunday, I had to hire some people. So that's yeah. it's a good thing, too. We hired three new part-timers, and now you know we've got some fresh blood here for the first time <laughs> nice. in years. Wow. All right. wanted you to go into a little bit more about how the pandemic affected business. Like, when it first yeah. happened, what, what happened? Did you guys go fully online or what? Well, what no, I sat around for a day or two and pulled my hair out and, <laughs> you know, cried and screamed and was sure it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say that was the first reaction. No, that's yeah. not true. That's not true. I definitely had those feelings. There were some dark moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much you know, but then all of a sudden Taylor Swift came through and gave us a bunch of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and then I didn't have to worry about payroll. Um, All I had to do really was worry about rent and the health insurance, Mm -hmm. make sure we didn't lose the building, and -hmm. make sure my staff did not lose their health insurance in the middle of a pandemic. So 
They sent checks oh, to yeah. every employee, including me and my my business partner, wow. and they paid for three months of our health care costs. Wow. At that time, you know, everybody was thinking like in three months we might get through this it'll and it'll be over, right? Uh, oh, but, but at the time it was everything. So it gave us time to sort of figure it out. And, yeah. you know, we couldn't do in-store performances anymore. Uh, we're closed. Uh, mm-hmm. Fans couldn't meet their artists after seeing them play here in the shop and get their records signed and all that. And we thought, wow, we're in Nashville. We have all these relationships with all these artists. Cause we've done in-stores mm-hmm. with everybody over yeah. the years. And so right away, uh, Lucinda Williams had a new record coming out. Mm-hmm. We, we asked her, will you sign them for us? And came back, yeah, you bet. So we're like, cool, nice. we'll have signed Lucinda Williams records. And we get the indie variant with the special color that's already the rare in-demand version. And Ooh. you know she signed 200 records for us. Wow. And uh, just for a regular new Lucinda Williams album on the first week, we probably would have ordered 20. Mm-hmm. And now we're ordering like over 200. She signs 200 yeah. records. We, we put them up for pre-order. We blew through them. Wow. Just amazing. We're like, wow. That's amazing. So we sold 10 times as many as we would have anyway. And so wow. then Jason Isbell had a new record coming out. We were going to do a promotion that had already been planned before the pandemic, where if you bought his new album at Grimey's, you were going to get in to see a free show at Brooklyn Bowl and watch Jason. Wow. Uh, we did the same model with John Prine <laughs> when Tree of Forgiveness came out. If you bought that record at Grimey's, you were into a free special show at the basement. That's an amazing deal. The, the only way to get in was to buy his record at Grimey. So everybody in the room, 600 people, uh, had all bought their records oh at Grimey's. And we only sold them in person the first two days to give locals first crack before we would put it online as yeah. a pure. And we sold all 600 in person. So that wow. was people lined up, like in the old days, they're all John Prine super fans. They're meeting each other in line. Wow. You know, That's making so friends. Awesome. Oh, I know, man. And I was just like pinching myself and I'm like, oh my God, John Prine is doing a special show just for people who bought his records at his favorite record store in Nashville. I can't believe this is happening. And Mike, yeah. Mike is like, dude, we do this all the time. And I'm like, oh yeah. We did it with dogs. Just a day we did, you know, it's like, <laughs> it just seemed extra special because it was John yeah. Prime, right? Wow. So we couldn't do that now, but Jason's like, he'll sign the records. And uh, we ended up selling more than we would have sold anyway because we yeah. had Jason sign in the records. We put a pre order up and we sold wow. 850 of them <laughs> that's in about an hour. They'd sold Crazy. out so fast. You know, we're like, okay, that's the new in store. So we just started asking everybody. Yeah. Uh, Kings of Leon signed records for us. You know, wow. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's an awesome. Yeah, Margot Price, and she just kept on signing them. And then she started coming into the shop and just signing mm. them for us. Amazing. And yeah, and so we did that for months and months and months. We just kept putting wow. up more signed Margot Price records and sold a ton. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. And thank you, Margot and Jason and Lucinda and everybody else that did that for us. Um, uh, we're still doing it, and we just had a signing with Japanese Breakfast, which was really cool. That was our first mm. event back. We didn't do a live performance inside, but we had her sit outside. Just uh, she was in town to play the Out Loud Festival, which oh. is a lot of people's first show back. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, and stopped by here, and we lined the folks up out there in the uh, in the grass lot next to the store in the in the shade under the trees there and they all got to meet uh wow. michelle yeah and do uh do a little in-store signing so uh, another thing mm-hmm. we did during the pandemic is uh we had this empty store on a monday mm-hmm. and you know we had artists started coming in and performing on our stage 
and filming it. So now oh, we wow. had an in-store performance to an empty empty store, you know, and everybody wore masks except generally whoever was singing. And so when the record came out, now you could watch the live stream on Street Date. Wow. Uh, basically watch a live performance on the Grimies. We put, most of them got put up on YouTube mm -hmm. uh, as well as the artists' uh, channels that they wanted to promote. And uh, cool. we put up a pre-order um, for a signed record. Then while the artist is here filming their in-store, we get them to sign the records. And when Street Date comes and it's released, you can watch the show and you can order a signed copy from Grimey's. You can either come pick it up in the shop or curbside or we ship it to you. And now we're doing in-stores again in a virtual way. So plenty of big names have performed here. Yeah. But I want to hear about your guys' connection to the local music scene. I saw up in the store you have a section mm -hmm. for local music, which is sure. really cool. But could you talk a little bit more about... Well, um, you know, at Grimey's, there's no bar to get your record in the store. If mm -hmm. you live in the Middle Tennessee area, mm -hmm. we will put your record in the shop on consignment. So, and that can be, you know, an actual vinyl LP. It could be a seven inch. It could be a CD. It could be a cassette. Mm -hmm. As long as you make a thing, <laughs> some sort of physical media, something that we can sell. Okay. Um, we'll put it in the store. We do it on a consignment basis. And, uh, you know, if, if your thing sells well, we'll restock it. And mm -hmm. if we continue to restock it and see that there is demand, uh, mm -hmm. then, you know, we'll start buying them outright from you if it reaches that point. And, you know, at that point, we know you've got fans and you might draw mm -hmm. some folks and maybe an in-store's in order. So we've, you've got sort of that platform here locally. If mm -hmm. you can build your thing, you know, you still gotta go find an audience. Yeah. But at least they can go to a record store and buy it. You can tell your friends. And fans, yeah, go buy yeah. it, Grimey's. That'll also move That's more awesome. copies here and make it more likely that we'll restock mm -hmm. and keep going with it. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so, and we've seen some of these, you know, people turn into big stars. But, um, yeah, we did an in-store with the Brummies. Great local band. We were pretty surprised how many signed records when they put out their last album. We, we did, and lots of people watched. We did a virtual in-store with them. Lots of people watched it. So they were so happy with the whole thing, they decided to release that live performance Ooh. as a Record Store Day release. Um, yeah, so, you know, we released live in stores from, so mm -hmm. it's everybody from, you know, the small to the large. I got a gold record hanging in the foyer upstairs from <laughs> Civil Wars who gave it to us. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> that, that started as a consignment at Grimey's. These, wow. We knew, we knew Joy, Joy Williams and John Paul. And they, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, they played at the basement. For years, you know, mm -hmm. popular singer-songwriters in town, they got yeah. together and formed a group called The Civil Wars and brought us their little CD EP on consignment. And we just wow. blew through them. We're like, hey, we need 20 more. Could you bring 40 next time? You know, wow. and then we just started buying them by the case. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, they, they signed to Columbia, you know, went on to big things. And had gold awesome. records. <laughs> Still didn't in-store Grimey's. And then when they got their gold record, we threw a party in the back parking lot so they could meet all their fans and sign records. And we put the stage up, and they got up there and presented Grimey's with a gold record, which was pretty Aww, cool. Aw, that's so awesome. Yeah, wow. yeah. So every Tuesday, is it, you do a radio show? Oh, myself, yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to talk about your radio show a little bit? Uh, sure. It's called Groovy Potential. It airs on WXNAFM.org. All right. Uh, it streams <laughs> everywhere in the world. If you're in Nashville, you can listen to it on 101.5 FM. And uh, the show's archived, too, so you can go mm -hmm. to the 
to the Tuesday archive at the website, you can find Groovy Potential. But I still think yeah. of it as a live show yeah. from 5 to 7 on Tuesday afternoons, and I play mm -hmm. records for the people who attend in. And that's when I'm doing it, I'm thinking of the guy who's actually, or the girl who's actually listening right then on the radio and yeah. try and make it fun. I, I did a show for over 20 years called Defunk. Primarily on uh, the Vanderbilt College radio station, okay. but they sold that station uh, ten years or so ago, and it became twenty-four-seven yeah. classical. They got rid of college radio, Whoa. and so <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, it's happened all over the country. Yeah, um, and uh, a bunch of uh, community volunteers at that station, which I was one too. We didn't go to Vanderbilt, but um, a bunch of community volunteers organized, formed a nonprofit applied for a low-power FM license uh, after several years of hard work they got it nice. then successfully did a Kickstarter to buy the equipment and lease a space and they started up WXNA so it's wow. kind of better than before because now we're in charge of our own destiny mm -hmm. and it's listener supported and it looks pretty secure right now so awesome. it is That's awesome great. <laughs> so every DJ programs their own show mm -hmm. you either get okay. a one-hour or two-hour slot mm -hmm. and for that hour or two, you, whatever you play is whatever you want to play. That sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so after doing defunct for over 20 years, I kind of wanted to not be confined to, you know, sort of one genre mm -hmm. as, as as wide as it, it could be. But so now I play whatever I want, but I still play a lot of funky music. It's groovy. So I, okay. there's yeah. a Prince song called Groovy Potential that I love. And I just love the whole idea. Groovy Potential. Mm -hmm. It's a potential. For yeah. grooviness. <laughs> and so with that in mind, I try and make it groovy, you know. So it's kind of the highlight of my week sometimes, you know. I, Monday nights, I prep for the show, which mm -hmm. means I'm I'm in my music room, surrounded by my record collection, mm -hmm. going through all the records, pulling titles, trying to yeah. find inspiration. And I can't wait to have a music room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, owning a record store and being, mm -hmm. I've been buying records since I was well, my parents bought them for me when I was six. My grandmother bought them wow. for me when I was a kid. I mean, I was yeah. I had records on my Christmas list mm -hmm. instead of toys. Yeah. I don't know where it came <laughs> from or when it bit me, but it's been music my whole life. And mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm in a record store for 20 years, managing them for 15 years before that. I, uh, I got a lot of records, so... Um, you know, I've never been able to store them all in my house. I've lived yeah. in small places or apartments. <laughs> And when I got married, my wife had a small house and moved into her spot. Now, when we bought our current house, we got a nice big house in Donaldson with a awesome. fully finished basement. It's big, so I've got my you know records wall to wall, floor to ceiling, all around the room. Yeah, oh, that's so that's a dream. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm 56. <laughs> we moved into that house six years ago, so uh, you know it took me a long time to fully get there. But you got there. <laughs> I got there. No, I mean, that's not true. When I was in my 20s and 30s in my apartments, I always had you know, more records than I really had room for. So I had my music yeah. room, but then I had some crates of records in the kitchen. Yeah. I had some crates of records in <laughs> the uh, bedroom. Up. <laughs> <laughs> oh Didn't have them in the, in the bathroom, but that was about it. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I think that's the worst place, but all right. So my last question for you is what are your top five albums of all time? Oh, I'm going to have to balk at that, but I'll talk about some records. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, what are your favorite albums? Are they just the albums you love to listen to the most? Are they the albums that mean something in your life to you? Uh, uh, 
it's define a certain time. Yeah, so it changes throughout your life. Yeah. And, uh, at this point in my life, it's hard to not be nostalgic and just look back at you know, mm -hmm. records that, that moved me and changed my life. And, you know, R.E.M. Murmur came out when I was 18 years old. Oh, wow. And I got to see him at Vanderbilt opening for the English Beat, like mm -hmm. the week that Murmur came out. So that was pretty cool. Wow. Seeing him live, knowing the earlier songs they'd done, and just having heard the new ones. So yeah, Murmur has to be on there, you know. And I mean, I'm a soul and funk and jazz guy. So for me, James Brown and the Meters. All right. You know, and, and with the Meters, I'd have to go with Rejuvenation is the record. I love the Josie material, but that album just has it all. Um, all right. Yeah, you know, I uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, Young, Gifted, and Black. I mean, there was a time when Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles mm -hmm. were just king and queen to me and you know i spent yeah. like 10 years listening to nothing but soul and funk and r&b and jazz mm -hmm. i was bored with rock and roll or whatever i was also <laughs> in my 20s and a music snob like yeah. a lot of people are when they're in their 20s <laughs> a lot less so now i, I tell you I, I really love the the young people these days they have a well they're not so tied to genres it seems like everybody's open to yeah at least if you're really a music fan and and i love that um uh, but you know, I mean, I could go on and on. I love Can, you know, Eggy Bamyazi was a mind blowing record to me when I first heard it. Um, you know, and the whole kraut rock subgenre of psychedelic music, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a dual can uh, craft work, especially the early craft work where there's drums and guitars. I didn't know that about that stuff till I found it in my I guess, late 20s, probably. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just, there's so many records, you know, for me, the Beatles, I can't separate Rubber, Soul, and Revolver. To me, they're just like one long album. And that's <laughs> the thing, too. I'd say the same thing with Big Star. Mm -hmm. Number one record, Radio City. They're like one long record to me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Grateful Dead, Working mm -hmm. Man's Dead, and American Beauty. They're like one mm -hmm. long record to me. So, you know, I never make a list where those are separate albums. Yeah. And, okay. I, would, and I would have to put them all in a top ten. Uh, music is, is just, it's a never-ending process of discovery. You know, here I am uh, this many years in, trying, you know, going at it hard to learn as much as I can about everything, and I still find brand new stuff yeah. constantly. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's easy to play music to entertain yourself, but you also got to make sure yeah. you're turning people on to the good stuff. So, like, every Friday on release day, we only play records that are out that day. Mm -hmm. throughout the whole day oh, so right. the staff is getting to hear all these new yeah. records even beyond the genres that they favor them mm -hmm. um, that's and, good for them though it is <laughs> and they're they're all pros you know they don't only recommend records they love yeah they try and get to know the individual customer yeah. and even if it's something that's not in their field they've heard all these records and they can still mm -hmm. recommend stuff yeah. and, all right well, I think that's about all that I have for you today. But um, thank right. you so much for agreeing the interview. Um, you bet, Paige. Well, especially thanks. on such a busy day. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, I, I enjoy doing this, and it's something I, I try to make time for. Yeah. As you can tell, I'm quite fond of record store culture. And yeah. sharing that in whatever uh, uh, platform or channel that you can, you know, maybe turn somebody on. Yeah. Get them to set foot into a record store. 
thank you guys for sticking around for another episode of Records Near Me. I post new episodes every other Wednesday, so make sure to like or subscribe on your favorite platform to stay updated. I also make supplementary playlists on Spotify to go with each episode, so don't forget to check those out too. And next time, we'll be visiting Jerry's Records up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so make sure you check that out in a couple of weeks. For those of you wondering how an amateur like me can randomly decide to make a podcast, I've been using Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Best of all, though, Anchor is totally free. So if you want to make a podcast like me, just download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.